0: All right, welcome back to uh, another edition of the Boilers Extra Podcast uh, here on jconline.com and uh, through SoundCloud. Uh, Mike Garman, your host, as uh, we look ahead to Saturday's old oak and bucket matchup between Purdue and IU, and soon we forget that this game was not played a year ago. So the bucket still resides in Bloomington, and uh, Purdue will try to get it back uh, this Saturday. And joining us on the podcast today to talk about all things Hoosiers and the season that they've uh, endured (laughs) it's Zach Osterman from the uh, Indianapolis Star and IndyStar.com and uh, a guy that is trying to get his finger fitted for a World Series ring with the Atlanta Braves. How's that going, by the way?
1: Well, you know, I'm just waiting on that call. I mean, I'm sure it's coming. Um, but you know, they don't they don't hand those things out until next season, anyway. So obviously, we're we have time. Okay. Because well, I think it's I think it's it's really more of a, a scheduling thing than right. it is, you know, not getting one.
0: Right. Well, I I wish you all the luck in the world in getting one, because I, right. I know that you would like to have one, and you're still rejoicing in the in the in the victory. So, congratulations uh on that all right with this indiana football team it's not been a good season uh they've played a lot of quarterbacks injuries um ineffective play uh has contributed to a lot of guys going through that position but is that the only reason why the hoosiers have struggled this year
1: no uh, i mean it has been part of it and you know as well as I do. You do this long enough. You cover a season like this, and you know you bring up injuries and fans will just say you're making excuses. Um, I mean, it, it, injuries undeniable have undeniably been part of it. Uh, you know, I think a couple weeks ago, Tom Allen cited around 30 players um, that had missed. You know at least one game this season for Indiana through injury. And I I was just sitting there in the press conference and I pulled up the roster and I could count two dozen, you know, right off the top of my head. And there's always a handful more that maybe you don't know about or, you know, weren't weren't as impactful or whatever. But um, the reality is that I think it can be a hard sort of circle to square for fans when you, you write, as we've written, you know, and fairly that Indiana's recruited a lot better in the last three, four years, five years Um, and that the the level of talent on the roster has clearly rose um, or risen but um, that that's still not enough to insulate you from you know, just widespread injury problems and particularly obviously, you know, Indiana's had two quarterbacks get hurt this season they had a third that tore his ACL in spring and it's just been you know that position has been kind of a, a revolving door um, but to be fair um, things weren't great before that all really kicked off I mean you know Michael Penix just never never looked like himself um, from what we kind of come to expect from him you know sort of when he was healthy in 2019 and 2020 and uh, as a result Indiana's offense never really looked very good and and you know, again, that's even before Maybe some injuries pile up And, um I think that the, the phrase that I have Found myself using a lot This season Is that Indiana got dealt a bad hand And then played it badly If that makes sense mm-hmm. that, Um, it's, it's, it's been a little bit Of stuff they can control And a little bit of stuff they can't control And, again, this is another one of those areas Where, um you know, you're sort of accused of making excuses, but also a little bit of a schedule that just, just, you know, they just, they just sort of buckled under before they could ever get their feet. You know, it's it's also kind of one of those seasons where you wonder if if they play, you know, Maryland, Rutgers, Minnesota early in the year, and then you know maybe some of the the Penn States, the the Michigans. Well, they played Michigan late, but you know, Penn State, Michigan State, Iowa. Later in the year, is, is it different if they, you know, don't feel like they're already kind of, you know, underwater by the time they get to Maryland, by the time they host Rutgers? Um, but it's, it's just been, it's been a season where it has felt like it's been just sort of a, a slow but, but pretty progressive spiral of guys getting hurt, guys not performing. Um, and everybody, you know, frankly, just not reacting very well to that. Not in like, not in toxic ways. Not guys, you know, fighting or getting in trouble off the field or anything like that. But just what you kind of expect when a team had justifiable expectations of itself and and wound up really just kind of falling flat on its face. So,
0: I mean, they they brought ten star- starters back on defense. You know, they, they've had some injury issues there, and you know, you talked about the recruiting and and, and stuff like that. But the, just it just doesn't seem like the defense really played to an experience level even from the beginning and i and i know the iowa game the first game there were two pick sixes so that added to the point total for iowa but still they they, they haven't really played like they had 10 starters back what what do you what do you what do you make of kind of how this defense is, has played despite you know not 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 really leaning on it, its experience
1: yeah, I mean to be honest with you, I, I actually do have some sympathy for Indiana's defense. I, I think they have played well this year. I think the one, the one big piece, you know, they they were one of the top. Um, if if you subscribe as as I do to Bill Connolly's um, sort of advanced, you know, statistical metrics, one of the ones that's it's actually among the most straightforward, and I think is very useful is what he calls habit rate, which is basically just. The percentage of plays, the percentage of snaps that end with like a sack, a tackle for loss, an interception or a pass defenders break up or an inter- you know, interception. Um, so basically just negative plays, you yeah. know, ne- negative plays, uh, and Indiana was, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I think top five in the country and have a great last year. Now that's, that's a little extreme. You, you would not expect Indiana. To, to have the talent level consistently to be just one of the absolute most destructive, disruptive defenses every year. They led the conference in turnovers. They led the conference in sacks. They led the country in turnovers forced per game. Um, and you know that's at, at one end of the extreme, but they've kind of swung completely to the other, and that's you know I think I think they might actually last. the conference right now in sacks. Um, They're well down there in terms of turnovers forced. They've only forced, I think, one turnover in their last five games. And that's kind of the, the one area where, you know, if you do kind of look at Indiana's defense, you'd say, you know, this offense really could have used some help. And maybe it wouldn't have made a difference because the offense, quite frankly, has just looked just dismal for most of the season. But... You know, if when this season was still sort of in the balance, there was a way that things could have turned differently. I think one of them would have been that defense creating more turnovers, more havoc plays, you know, creating more opportunities for an offense that really feasted on those. Last, you know, you know, at one point at the end it was average, something like. 11 points per game last year, 10 points per game just off turnovers. And so essentially you're almost basically starting the game up 10 nothing. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, that that was, that was kind of where Indiana was about halfway through that season. And it just hasn't, obviously it has not quite worked out that way. Um, but that being said, you know, it's, it's still a defense that basically one bust in a run play aside played very well at Iowa. It's a defense that was, you know, just quite frankly dominating. Um, Cincinnati until the, uh, until the, the Michael McFadden, Michael McFadden targeting ejection. Mm-hmm. I think I think Cincinnati had one run one play across the 50 before that. And then even, you know, as, as recently as the Michigan State game, which sort of felt like in, in some respects, Indiana's kind of last real stand this season. Um, you know, they lost that game 20 to 15. Indiana had multiple sacks, multiple turnovers forced. They, uh, they held Michigan State to, I, I mean, under 75 yards rushing, which is remarkable given obviously what Kenneth Walker's done this year. And, um, Indiana's offense actually managed to outgain Michigan State both through the air and on the ground in that game and still lost. And so, you know, it, it, it has not been sort of the absolute best year for Indiana's defense. They were undeniably better last year, but they have, or at least they had until, I think, you know, physically speaking, injuries started to pile up on them, and and maybe emotionally speaking, it became clear that no matter how well they played, the season was going to get away from them. Over the season, the season they really had gotten away from them, and that's that's where you, you know, the, the Maryland game, particularly the Rutgers game, that's where you start to kind of, um, you, you start to kind of have a conversation more about basically the intangibles and and what. For Indiana, um, but if Indiana had even had a competent offense in the first six weeks of this season, it would have beaten Cincinnati. It would have beaten Michigan State. Um, it would have competed with Penn State, and then maybe we're talking about a team that managed to keep its head above water. Maybe Indiana's you know five and six, or even six and five, going into this game. But by you know by the time Indiana's defense kind of started to, to flag, this season was well beyond them.
0: Yes, and I apologize. I should have included the offense in the defensive question because the offense and its lack of production, but also the number of turnovers it has had has probably i'm guessing has put the defense in some really tough spots this year.
1: I mean turnovers um, you know I mean bad punts, just a sheer inability to score I mean Indiana's last home game against Minnesota um was a good example. Indiana scored first in that game and they scored on a, like a really impressive, like, I think it was 14 play, 92 yard drive. They ran the ball a lot, which they've not been able to do at all this year. They were really creative with some of the stuff they were doing. And, and so you thought, well, maybe this is at least just kind of a, you know, maybe they at least found something late here that, that they can try and pull a couple wins back. And then they didn't have a first down again, I believe until the fourth quarter. And, I mean, that's that's just, like, that's kind of been the story all year. They got shut out of Penn State. They only scored three points against Rutgers. They only scored seven against Michigan. I mean, you can count on, on one hand quite literally. You don't even need the whole hand. The, the the number of, you know, genuinely good performances Indiana's offense has had, much at all, much less against, you know, Big Ten-level competition. I mean, there was, a, there was a moment after that Michigan State game where Tom Allen was – you know obviously frustrated and disappointed To lose it because it was very winnable I mean it was very winnable And he was looking down at the, at the Box score And he just sort of said something like I don't know what else the defense could have done And then he kind of shook his head and he said well they didn't score I, I guess they could have scored <laughs> um, You know that's that's something they didn't do And it's just you know It's just sort of like that's That's where it really got to with this team And again you know undeniably some of that's injuries um, I think I think Really, in particular, it's, it's the injury that did not occur this year, but the one that occurred last year. Um, because, you know, anybody who watched Michael Penix said his best, he was one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the league. He had remarkable arm talent. He could stretch the field, you know, vertically as far as 60 yards, 65 yards accurately with his throws. Um, you know, Indiana as an offense could be so explosive when, when it got him in a rhythm don't want to put words I don't want to speak for him I don't want to say things that that make it sound like I know because I've talked to him or because he said it because he hasn't but like there's just there's no there's there's no way to evaluate his performances this season the western Kentucky game possibly accepted and say that he's anywhere near the the best quarterback in or the quarterback that he's been in the past you know um I charted this for a story this week, actually, um, and some people may know what this stat is. But average net yards per attempt is another sort of advanced statistic, and, and it, what it attempts to do is is sort of factor in big plays like t- touchdowns, interceptions, sack yards um, in in calculating a, a quarterback's sort of overall effectiveness. Um, the idea being that a quarterback that throws for 180 yards on 30 passes but throws five touchdowns. 50 more yards is going to have a much more effective day than a quarterback who throws for 400 and one touchdown on 40 passes, but obviously you know, throws throw three picks and gets sacked five times. Um, last season, Michael Penix's average net yards per attempt was seven and a half, and that was second in the conference, only behind Justin Fields. It was closer to Justin Fields in first than it was Joe Milton in third this year, and he is unless unless Indiana has Donovan McCullough attempt like 75 passes on Saturday. Penix is still going to end the season as Indiana's leading passer in terms of attempts this year is he is dead last in the conference. His average net yards per attempt is three point eight. Wow. And there's just there's just no I mean, you know, a median number is like usually somewhere between five and six. And, you know, I mean like this year in the conference it's six point two to six point five. And he's at three point eight. I mean that just kind of you know, it just tells you where where he's been and the degree to which I think Indiana really based a lot of what it was trying to do offensively through the offseason around his talent, his, you know, his growth, the way he can impact the game, etc. And when, um, when it, when, when it was clear that Indiana wasn't really going to get that, uh, I think that, I think Indiana just struggled frankly. And, you know, because some programs, Ohio State obviously is, is, Probably the, the benchmark in this conference. Some programs have a, a, a large enough stable of talented players that if, if somebody important gets hurt, somebody else, you know, athletic and skilled can just get right up next to him. But Indiana's not going to be one of those. And, and I think Indiana's been struggling to solve the problem of, of how to fix, for lack of a better term, Michael Penix when he was healthy and then how to, you know, sort of adjust without him
0: when he wasn't pretty much the entire year, and you've, you've seen the results. So who's the starting quarterback Saturday?
1: Uh, at this point, I, I would assume it's Donovan McCulley. I, I wouldn't, you know, uh, actually, and this is this kind of tells you where Indiana's gotten to from a the quarterback standpoint, I wouldn't be stunned if it's Grant Grimmel, who is a walk-on redshirt sophomore from Nobles, who is actually a, a good quarterback. I mean, he's not, um, you know, when, when you hear the word walk-on, I mean, he, you know, it's not like he can't throw a pass more than 10 yards, you know. Um, he had a really nice touchdown pass uh, in kind of garbage time Saturday against Minnesota. But, you know, having said that, um, if Indiana's starting a walk-on quarterback in a bucket game, that kind of tells you where things have gotten to. And if they aren't, they're starting a true freshman who didn't enroll early, who they were desperate to redshirt this year and, and couldn't just because they didn't have any other choice. Um, you know, at, at this point, Jack Tuttle's kind of dealing with two separate injuries. One is, my understanding, is like sort of an ankle-foot injury on one leg, and the other one's an ankle injury on the other leg. You know, Penix is, we've been told he's been practicing, but we we've, we haven't even seen him press for a game since he got hurt against Penn State. Um, and Dexter Williams tore his ACL in spring. So, you know, Indiana's got four scholarship quarterbacks, and I suspect three of them will be unavailable for this game. And the fourth is a freshman who has had some good moments. Don McCulley genuinely has had some good moments, not just running the ball. He is a dual-threat quarterback, but, but passing it as well. He was very, very good, I thought, uh, at Maryland. But he's also had some moments where he just looked really overwhelmed, you know, just by, um, you know, the, the, the things he was – the reads he was having to make, the coverages he was seeing. You know, the decisions that Indiana was putting in his hands last weekend, I think one of Tom Allen's great frustrations was just the degree to which McCulley never got comfortable pulling the ball and run past options and just kept tucking it and kept tucking it, kept running and running until obviously the offense came very one-dimensional and became very uh, predictable. So my guess is it's McCulley. If it's not McCulley, my guess is it's Grant Gremmel. If one of those guys gets healthy, obviously it could be them, Pennix or Tuttle. But at this point, I'm I'm just guessing we're not going to see them again this season.
0: Well, I mean, Aiden O'Connell was a walk-on at one point for Purdue. I mean,
1: <laughs> I mean listen, I, I really actually, and Grant Grimmel's got a really interesting story that I'm, I'm going to write um, before the weekend. He, he had a, um, he had a, he had a, a brain tumor when he was a kid. Oh. And it was non, it was non cancerous, but it just was something that he kind of had to learn to grow up with and mm-hmm. had to, you know, spend a lot of time with doctors and things. And, <laughs> um, and he just, you know, his, his parents kind of thought he matured at a very young age. And, um, you know, he even told us something. We were, uh, we were, um, talking to him after the game on Saturday and we asked him something about the pressure of stepping in. He said, you know, I just, he basically said, I just don't think pressure is real. He said, I think you can choose not to feel it. You can choose to channel it into something positive. And, you know, it, it his parents say that he's just kind of always had that sort of mature, more mature outlook. And, you know, it's time at Noblesville, he played for three coaches in four years. He played in a lot of run-heavy offenses, and he played for some teams that just, quite frankly, weren't too terribly good compared to, you know, obviously the level of competition that they have to play mm-hmm. up in the Indy area. And I think he... um I think he really it has a, for a walk on, who hasn't played a ton, although he has played, you know, a fair few snaps this year. Um, I think he has a, a very mature sort of outlook, and I, and I think he's got some arm talent. Um, and that's why I wouldn't be surprised if Indiana starts. You know, again, I, 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 Indiana has every confidence in Donovan McCulley long term. Um, it's just that the reality is just that they have not, he has just not had the time to. to you know, develop the way that um, the way that, that he needs to, the way Indiana needs him to. It just you know, he, he not being an early enrollee, not getting a red shirt year, not having any spring practice and, and not expecting this. You know, it it was different when Michael Penix, you know, came in and enrolled early in twenty eighteen and then also knew that at worst he was the backup quarterback going into fall camp. You know, and so from from the, the first day of fall camp, not only did he have a spring, but from the first day of fall camp, he's one of the guys, you know, taking those snaps and all that. Donovan McCulley, th- this was never supposed to be the plan. And um, he's just, he's he struggling a little bit. I think Indiana would like to protect him as much as it can, so.
0: Visiting with Zach Osterman from the Indy Star covers uh, IU football and basketball. Uh, for uh, the star and IndyStar.com so uh, the big game on Saturday is Ohio State-Michigan do you give the Wolverines any shot to knock off the Buckeyes or, or Ohio State is too, too big of a machine right now
1: the one thing I will mm-hmm. say about Michigan and I think Ohio State will win Michigan's got a great defensive line and a great defensive line on it's best day can screw up anybody's game plan Like anybody's game, but it doesn't matter. You know, I I think um, I'm trying to think back to that that 2008 uh, uh, national title game. I think it was was Florida and uh, Oklahoma, and that was the year that Oklahoma was just all conquering. It was the Sam Bradford year. Mm -hmm. I think they had DeMarco Murray as well. And they got to... um, they got to the national championship game and all of a sudden you had Carlos Dunlap and Jermaine Cunningham and at linebacker you had Brandon Spikes and it's just a, a a good defensive line can screw up even the best game plan and I think Michigan has an outstanding one now that being said um, it's still hard for me to see Michigan score and you know I, I think that's a game where Michigan's going to to score at least like 35 to win that's a little harder to see, but I do think this is maybe Jim Harbaugh's best chance at winning that game since was it his first year in the job when they had the uh, the, the 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 one where they gave Ohio State the first down and they probably didn't get it. Yeah, I think that's the first year the job. the spot the spot game. Right. Um, I would still pick Ohio State first down on the you field. But the one thing I will say for Michigan is I think that an elite defensive line can can screw anybody's day up, but I think Michigan's got one.
0: No, I mean, I, I am. i have been in Michigan's corner from a defensive standpoint uh, all year. I know they blew a big lead to Michigan State, uh, but I think there were some other things that happened in that game that, that led to all that. Um, and I do give them a, a puncher's chance, but they can't... I, I just don't think you can go back and forth. You've got to... You've got to win the time of possession battle, and you've got to end those drives with touchdowns, and just figure out a way to get off the field when you can, and disrupt their offense, even if it's just a little bit. And I think you know Michigan's got the ingredients to do that. It's just a matter of if they can or not. Now, defending those three receivers will be the ultimate challenge because I just don't think you can take three receivers away. I mean, maybe one, but. Then you still got two All Americans sitting there making plays. So it's an uphill challenge, but I do give Michigan uh, a chance in this because I do believe this is Harbaugh's kind of best best opportunity to, to, to do this and, and get Michigan in the win column uh, against Ohio State. Uh, one other question for you, non football related. Let's say that you were part of, let's say Thanksgiving never existed until you decided to make it exist, what would be the the meat entree for Thanksgiving if you were starting over? Would it be turkey, or would you pick something else?
1: No, oh, I mean, if you pick turkey, you're a fridge. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, it, it, would, you know, it would have to be, it would still have to be something that everybody, you know, like it's easy to say, like brisket. You know, but like stuff like that is as good as it is. is, is still very regional, right. and it's not realistic to to ask someone who lives in, you know, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan or, you know, the the plains of Montana to have a smoker rolling um, in, in late November if it's frigid and snowing. So I think it's still something that's, that is realistically got to be good if you cook it in an oven. Um, so I would probably. I'd probably go for like a prime rib, you know, okay. some like you know, or, or a some some sort of like good kind of hearty cut of beef. Um, yeah, either that or like I'd I'd just cheat and I'd like go for like I don't know like you know some kind of some kind of like really good stew. But yeah, I think it, I I would probably go for stewed beef that something that could still reasonably be cooked indoors because yeah. it's you know. I'd, I'd love a brisket on any. In fact, I, a few years ago, I did a brisket for uh, my wife's family's Thanksgiving. It was just, it was just a, a few of us for a variety of reasons. She was actually even out of the country on work, um, but we were just like hey, we're supposed we'll to do what we want. Now we are going to have we'll, the we'll have the burn on the smoker tomorrow. But
0: uh, yeah, I'd probably go with something like a like a good prime rib personally. Yeah, but you you, you would be starting tradition of Thanksgiving, so you could have a brisket that would go nationwide. They would just figure well, it out, right? They'd figure yeah, out how to well, cook it. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I just I feel like that's harsh, you know. Because everybody can cook. You can cook a turkey. I mean, you can. That's the one thing that I'll say for poultry is you can cook it pretty much however the heck you want. You know, I mean, you can you can smoke it, you can bake it, you can fry it, you can. I mean, it. it there's there's no wrong. It is it is malleable enough that there's no wrong way to cook poultry. whereas you know pulled pork in the oven just isn't going to taste very good and brisket you can do brisket in the oven and i know people who do it do brisket in the oven fairly well um but you're not going to get that that sort of juiciness and flavor that um you know and and moisture and texture that you'll get if you if you cook it you know with with
0: the added sort of moisture of a, a a smoker setup so um but yeah, I, I think I think I'm going. I, I'm I'm a man of the people here. I think I'm still probably going going prime red. <laughs> well, well, good deal. Now I, I, I do have to ask: early impressions of Indiana basketball. I know they haven't. You know, St. John's was you know is the marquee opponent they have played up to this point. But just kind of what what are your early returns on what what the Hoosiers have done here?
1: I think they're about where I thought they'd be. Um, you know, and I I did I was. Fortunate enough to, to go see them in the Bahamas, that neither of those games were televised. So, you know, I feel still sometimes a little bit like state secrets that I'm I'm privy to somehow or another. But, um, I think you know there's they're good defensively. I mean, they're they're potentially very good. And I wouldn't say you know top five in the country, nothing like that. But I, I think. They have the chance. I think they have the personnel and, and you know, quite possibly the mentality to be, you know, really difficult. Maybe a top five defense in the Big Ten, that kind of thing. Um, but every, you know, in a lot of other areas, still fairly rough around the edges. They're shooting the ball better, but they still need to go out better than they, you know, they are right now. Um, they are struggling a little bit at the offensive on the defensive glass, they're struggling a little bit, you know, in, in kind of the turnover game and those things are both sort of concerning because if you're not a terribly offensively efficient team, you can't be casual about the number of possessions you, you know, the number of extra possessions you allow another team to have. You know, you, you can't be giving up cheap offensive rebounds, cheap turnovers because you you just can't you're not going to be able to score your way out of holes a lot of the time. Um but I think personnel wise, they have a lot of pieces that could develop into being a lot better in those areas and just being better in general. I think the transfers have been good for this team. They're very deep at point guard. Um, you know, obviously everybody knows Trace Jackson Davis. Race Thompson has come back and, and looks, you know, even better than, than he has in the last, you know, really, I think at any point in his career. So, I, I would be a little bit surprised if we're not talking about this team. In fact, I'd be more than a little bit surprised if we're not talking about this team as an NCAA tournament team. Now, how far above that their ceiling is, I'm not sure. I, you know, because I also don't think we're talking about, like, a big contender, you know, if, if, if you know what I'm saying. Um, but this Saturday, they play Marshall, and Marshall's Kin Palm 114. Um, And then after that, they have Syracuse on the road, Nebraska at home, Wisconsin on the road. They have a a quick sort of reprieve against Merrimack, and then they play Notre Dame in Indianapolis. And and while I don't think any one of those teams I just mentioned is is a Final Four caliber team right now either, there's enough tests in there, a couple road games, neutral site game, tough-ish home game against Nebraska um, that I think – I think we're going to have a much firmer kind of sense by Christmas of just where this team ceiling is and what it's capable of. Um, But I I do think I do think they should be an NCAA tournament team. Of course, I think they should have been last year too, and and I think the season just kind of fell apart on them, which is part of you know why Archie Miller got fired. Um, But the point is that I I I thought they were an NCAA tournament caliber team a season ago, and I think enough of that still remains. Plus, what they've added with some. Some transfers and a good-looking freshman in Tamar Bates to um, to, to really consider themselves a, a factor on selection Sunday.
0: All right, righty, Zach. Good stuff as always. Appreciate you uh, jumping on and talking uh, IU football, IU basketball, and a little food, uh, especially since you know Thanksgiving is upon us. Um, and we'll catch up during the basketball season because it should be another another good Big Ten basketball season as as teams start to get going cuz you have the the Big 10 ACC challenge next week and then a couple games in the Big 10 and then as you mentioned uh I use playing Notre Dame in the crossroads and then Purdue will play Butler in the the last crossroads at least for now uh so that'll be a a sad ending to that event but one that was destined to, to end at some point for a variety var- variety of reasons but anyway we'll we'll catch up during basketball season and kind of Check the pulse of the Hoosiers once again. Zach, appreciate you joining us. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Won't see you at the game Saturday, but we'll see you down the road.
1: You too, sir. Thanks for always good to chat, and we'll, uh, we'll see you before too long. We'll see you at that Crossroads Classic.